Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. Thanks for joining us on the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. This is the third in our four-month series, Looking at Vision Zero. I'm pleased to be joined by Professor Andrew Tarko, Director of the Center for Road Safety at Purdue University, and Franz Lowenhers, the Principal Transportation Planner for the City of Bellevue, Washington. In this month's episode, we're going to be talking about surrogate measures of safety, a term that's relatively new to the transportation safety community. Andrew, Franz, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Andrew, I want to start off with you. I noted at the beginning that we're going to be talking about surrogate measures of safety. For those who are not familiar with that terminology, could you explain what the concept is for listeners, please? I would say that uh, the main purpose of surrogate measures of safety is to evaluate safety faster than when crashes are used for that purpose. And... um, if you look uh, back into the history of this research, uh, many surrogate measures were used in the past. Uh, they included things like rea- reaction time, speed, traffic violations, and traffic conflicts, and other. And uh, I think that it's my opinion, but I think others can share it, that there's a growing consensus among safety experts that the most promising are traffic conflicts, and so I will focus on, on, on them. The first question is, what is traffic conflict? And it occurs when a collision between two road users who approach each other uh, is certain unless at least one of them responds in some timely manner. So the collision is eventually avoided, so we don't see collision. Uh, And this definition applies also to other situations. For example, when a vehicle is about to collide with an obstruction or a vehicle is uh, about to depart uh, the road and the driver uh, makes some kind of evasion and, and prevents this from happening. Uh, another thing is uh, that some postulate that uh, this kind of uh, interaction uh, should warrant potential crash with sufficiently severe outcome. So if such crash happens, the results are uh, recordable. Um, so the traditional method of connecting conflicts with crashes is... Uh, well, basically, I should say, start with that, uh, it is very important that uh, traffic conflicts, the way you observe them, are connected with crashes in some way. So the traditional way of doing it uh, in the past was uh, taking crashes over, let's say, five years, then looking for kind of represent- representative shorter period and observe conflicts, and then taking ratio crash to conflict. Of course, uh, this kind of uh, approach kind of undermines the, the idea of rapid safety evaluation uh, because we're, again, reaching for crash data. Now, a recent advancement in this area actually allows estimating the crash conflict ratio without using crash data. And th- that requires a strict definition of what is traffic conflict. And uh, the most important condition is that traffic conflict cannot be intentional. In other words, it cannot be the result of aggressive behavior, and actually drivers control the situation, uh, but they behave in in a way uh, that may indicate it's a conflict. 
And this, uh, this is a critical condition because it, it uh, allows assuming that the origin of a traffic conflict is the same as the origin of a crash. And that's what allows estimating the crash probability uh, condition on conflict by applying something we call survival analysis. Franz, you are the project manager of the Video Analytics Toward Vision Zero Partnership. Now that sounds like something that is probably going to help answer some of the questions about these conflicts. Could you tell us a bit about the project and how it's helping to develop a new tool that will reduce crashes using the surrogate measures of safety, please? For those of you who are unfamiliar with Bellevue, Washington, we're a rapidly growing city um, in the Pacific Northwest with approximately 140,000 residents and equivalent number of employees and, and home to many tech firms, uh, including Microsoft. And at the city of Bellevue, we are committed to leveraging new tools uh, like surrogate safety techniques uh, to improve safety, generate better data on be travel behavior patterns and crashes, and, and, and develop collaborations with others in the public, private sector, and to make our intersections smarter and safer. We know that reported crashes uh, do not reflect the full range of safety issues experienced by road users. Uh, Andrew uh, just spoke about surrogate safety techniques, and, and those provide us with uh, insights into when and where and why crashes are most likely to occur. Originally, that approach uh, arose with human observation, people being out on the street and, and documenting those conflicts. And, for, for us as a city, that's not really a scalable solution. It's a, that would be an incredibly costly undertaking to have people out there documenting that, um, those, those conditions. Um, so in recognition of, of the opportunity to enhance public safety, City of Bellevue and Microsoft Corporation entered into this technology development partnership in 2016. And since then, we've demonstrated proof of concept where continuing to make strides in developing a, a video analytics platform that will make it easier for cities to observe traffic flow, speeds, and, and other vehicle conditions and allow a more rapid response to traffic incidents. Andrew, let me go back to you a little bit. You know, we've t we're talking here, obviously, about surrogate measures, and I think you've touched on why it's important to, to measure those, but Looking at traditional safety measures and surrogate measures, how are they different from each other, and why are they important in helping us achieve Vision Zero? It's a good question. Um, so, well, it's obvious that traffic conflicts are not crashes, right? But they are more frequent than crashes. That's the that's the the, the, the selling point for for these events. Which means that if you to observe conflicts at some location, it will take uh, probably several days. It may take even up to maybe, let's say, two weeks. Because being honest, if we, are, if we want to connect conflicts with crashes, these, these conflicts have to be severe, uh, real near crashes. And they happen more frequent than crashes, but not that frequent as people believe. Uh, but at the same time, if you, if you would like to use crashes, you would have to observe crashes for, let's say, for the same location for three years or even longer to collect similar amount of safety information. So that's the one important, uh, um, uh, important plus of, of, of advantage of traffic conflicts. At the same time, traffic conflicts are more reliable 
in terms of providing information about the situation leading to the conflict. Um, you know, if you think about crash uh, reports, um, police officers try to figure out what happened, but, you know, honestly speaking, if you talk to a lawyer, he will tell, uh, well, even if you are guilty, just deny. So we really don't know many times what really happened, and if you just rec if you record uh, the situation uh, on the road using video, as Franz mentioned, that you can, you can have a better, better idea of what happened. On the top of it, uh, also, if you, uh, let's say, uh, use some uh, safety countermeasures, then it's much easier to confirm that it work if you use traffic conflicts, just because these conflicts are more frequent. So in a much shorter time, you can, you can confirm that something works. Well, at the same time, it's obvious that the severity of crash outcome is not available in traffic conflicts because you, do, you don't know or you don't observe co uh, crashes. But uh, the severity of potential crashes uh, could be predicted. Uh, there is an active research area, and I believe there are some promising results coming soon. Now, how these things uh, helps with achieving vis vis vision zero? Well, when you analyze traffic conflicts, and then you try to reduce traffic conflicts, you're actually reducing both the risk of a crash, because if we agreed earlier, conflict leads to crash, so avoiding conflicts avoids crashes. And once you have a crash, of course, that brings the, the, the risk of serious injury or death. So reducing conflicts basically is equivalent to reducing the crashes, injuries, and death. But on the top of it, let me mention something. I believe that Vision Zero has a long time frame. We're not talking about next two, three, five years. So it, it should, it sort of concurs with the emerging era of autonomous vehicles. And if I remember 2017 document issued by USDOT, the Automated Driving Systems, a vision for safety, recommends analyzing pre-crash scenarios experienced by automated vehicles, autonomous vehicles. So traffic conflicts uh, will find, I believe, an important use in evaluating safety to improve the design operations of these vehicles. So this is another avenue that may provide safety benefits to Vision Zero by using surrogate measures this on the autonomous vehicle side. If I may, just to chime in on what Andrew was saying about uh, the, the challenge with relying on traditional crash-based approaches to intervention, uh, just as a, a real-world example, uh, I'm thinking back on at an intersection in Bellevue that we uh, were monitoring over the course of six years. Uh, this is a, at an off-ramp from Interstate 90, and this particular uh, west uh, westbound off-ramp from I-90 at the Lakemont Interchange, we it took uh, six years and 60 collisions for a pattern to emerge uh, for us to see that there was a high incidence of T-bone collisions at that intersection with cars exiting the the ramp and heading southbound. And so six years to deduce this was a was a an issue warranting an intervention, and then several years of of securing the funds and design and construction to implement a corrective measure at that in partnership with the Washington State Department of Transportation. So the objective here is to really jumpstart that analytic process so that we can be proactive. Uh, our objective is 
a smart city is to move uh, forward on that continuum from a, a reactive ad hoc based approach to um, our work program to one that's predictive and proactive. And so surrogate safety mm -hmm. provides us with that framework within which to deduce um, where we might undertake an intervention before people get hurt and before property is damaged. Before we get into even more detail about this, I think it's important to have a better understanding of how video analytics works. Can you explain, Franz, a bit about the system and how it does work? Sure. First off, I, I don't have a, a PhD in, in computer science, um, but I am very lucky to have a, a talented team that I'm working with at Microsoft um, that, that are specialists, uh, that have uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning expertise uh, who are supporting this partnership. And um, what we're doing is... Uh, relying on Microsoft's Azure cloud computing platform and machine vision systems based on deep neural networks and the city of Bellevue's existing traffic camera system. So we already have traffic cameras out at many of our intersections and and many of those have a 360 view of, of the intersection. And we've been Building up that network over the years, they've been very useful to both our police department as well as our, our signal engineers to observe conditions that are that are happening there. But they've just been providing us with raw video footage. Now, what's exciting about the the system that we're developing with Microsoft is they're remoting into those cameras and they're deriving uh, insights uh, from those pixel patterns. Uh, they're classifying those pixel patterns as a person walking, driving, on a bus, riding a bicycle. They're object classifying all of those pixel patterns as these different modes, and then they're tracking their trajectory and they're documenting all, all of those movements, and then uh, providing us with count reports that classify the vehicles by, by movement, so we in real time are able to deduce how many vehicles are going through left or right by direction, northbound, southbound, et cetera, and by mode, uh, car, bus, motorcycle, et cetera. And in addition to that data on the type and motion of, of the road user at intersections, it's also providing us with uh, speed and derivative of speed data. So acceleration and jerk can be calculated continuously to better understand steering and braking behavior. And these data have the potential to help us identify those near collision events uh, that Andrew was speaking to, such as when a car abruptly stops or swerves to avoid striking a pedestrian. Also, instances where a person on a bicycle is, uh, is on a sidewalk environment and abruptly swerves to avoid hitting a, a pedestrian. All of those uh, events uh, are intended to be classified as close calls. And those are, are, are much more frequent and more useful than actual crash reports in detecting systemic safety problems. Um, so together with Microsoft, we're, we're developing performance dashboards uh, that are going to flag those high-risk locations that warrant an intervention. And those dashboards are going to be based on the, the research work that Andrew spoke to uh, so that we can get to a pre predetermined numeric scale of those events 
and we can start to classify and, and see in a heat map configuration where those uh, risky locations are uh, so that we can uh, have that proactive approach that, that is required to realize Vision Zero. I, I like to say that in terms of human lives and property damage, near collision events are zero cost learning opportunities compared to learning from actual crashes. Andrew, when you're talking about some of these measures, what are some of the ways right now that agencies can start implementing some of these surrogate measures of safety as a tool to reduce crashes? France already mentioned the existing manuals for traffic conflicts. And believe it or not, the, one, the, the United States has its own uh, manual, but it was 1989 it was developed. So unfortunately, they, they're using the old technologies based on human observers, and, and they cannot convert uh, conflicts to crashes. But even these can be used by agencies if they want to get insight. And that's what the France says exactly is uh, correct that you have crash data, we can have some first idea where might be a problem, but then you can, can observe traffic conflicts, and uh, by observing them, you, you're getting inside information, more insightful information about what might happen. So these old manuals still might be usable. However, I want to emphasize new things happening, because since then, there's a big progress in technology, and it's, uh, there are different types of sensors on the road, and in, soon we'll have also in vehicles, which is separate, very attractive uh, alternative. So we have a much more bigger potential in observing conflicts, uh, honestly, without uh, using human observers. So I already mentioned that project we have been doing here in Indiana for several years, and it's uh, funded by Indiana Department of Transportation. And this is where we're using uh, LiDAR at this point, I uh, will add video to this, and we are trying to basically eliminate human observer because in the future, if you want to have transportation agency collecting traffic conflicts data and evaluate it, uh, you, you just cannot tell them sit down in front of desk and spend a few days to extract things. By the way, the, the, the video analytics is an excellent concept, and I believe that will lead to a lot of uh, good discoveries and this is why they're using human uh, observers, because the video is still not fully um, capable of doing it fully automatically. We have some existing modern video-based uh, systems that are developed by, by researchers, but again, it's just for research, and humans have to be part of it, at least to look at frames that are attacked by my computer uh, that uh, couldn't copy automatically. But going back to Indiana, so in our system, uh, we actually... Uh, collecting data, we will be building prototype, we're already building prototype, uh, we'll give it to INDOT this year, it's a trailer based, and uh, the, the, the system will collect um, uh, conflict data, process in real time, then uh, the data will be used uh, with another application to extract uh, conflicts, and as Frank said, exactly to display these conflicts like we display crashes today, so we have conflict diagram and engineers can actually look at these diagrams and come up with some patterns in conflicts to, similar to crashes to, to figure out what, what should be done. But that's the first step, and, and we are moving forward. And so I already mentioned that uh, we are working on a practical method of, uh, method of uh, predicting the risk of crashes and frequency of crashes based on conflicts. And uh, this, uh, this is the 
the, the method which uh, uh, at some point will convert to the manual. So uh, the, the thing is that you may have a good number of conflicts, but then the question is, what is the equivalent number of crashes? And, and that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big question. So um, we, we are working on, 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 on the, the way of observing conflicts. We are working on the way of uh, um, extracting conflicts and visualizing them, and also a way of converting conflict uh, information into crash information. So that's, uh, that's the ways we are getting. So you, as you can see, the, the tools are being developed. It's nothing today you can use right away. I think that video analytics can be very close to something very usable very soon, um, and some other uh, ways of, of, of uh, extracting information in a more automatic way, it still will take maybe a year, two years in our case. So that, that's the, the ways. Uh, well, we have to probably wait a little bit longer, to, to, for the, and at least agency have to wait a little bit longer to to put their hand on something uh, they can use right away and, and start uh, start uh, learning about safety and how to improve it. In response to uh, your question, Bernie, uh, not not exactly a, a surrogate safety technique per se, but a, but a one way to that jurisdictions can start to augment their traditional crash report data sets with um, with additional insight into what's happening out there. Um, that's that's low cost and, and a, a very practical solution uh, is to uh, implement an online mapping platform. Uh, there are a number of off-the-shelf um, companies out there that that develop these interfaces. Uh, this one company that City of Bellevue used is Wikimap, um, and what we did with that this was several years ago was we invited the public to pinpoint intersections or streets where they had experienced uh, a near collision event and to provide us with uh, additional insight into the circumstances of, of those conditions. And it was, it was um, very useful in understanding our community's concerns, uh, generated a lot of insight. Um, you know the 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 shortcoming of these more event focused social media platforms uh, is that they are based on anecdotal evidence and and they really lack the specifics needed to make effective engineered investments to fix the problems but but for a city that's really wanting to to de derive some insights beyond uh the the police reporting that is available uh, this this is one tool that the jurisdictions might consider. As we come near the end, one of the things I'd like to touch on a bit more is about the partnership between Bellevue and Microsoft. There are other partners, along with ITE, who are promoting a crowdsourcing platform in support of the partnership. Franz, can you tell me a bit more about the crowdsourcing effort and how that's contributing to the video analytics system? Last year, uh, the city of Bellevue, in partnership with uh, Microsoft and uh, ITE and, and a number of other cities, launched a, a crowdsourcing platform. And with that, we invited uh, communities throughout throughout the country uh, to help make our intersections smarter and safer. And, and what we did is we co collected video footage from intersections in New York and Los Angeles, City of Bellevue, Redmond, and elsewhere. And we consolidated it into 
an online platform and provided a user interface that allowed people, when they went to this site, to view a short video clip and to manually identify the people walking, driving, riding a bus, riding a bicycle through that intersection. And so they were able to take a cursor tool and manually identify those various objects. And uh, there was a lot of promotion, and uh, it was it was very gratifying to us uh, to see the level of of effort. We saw mayors, uh, the mayor of um, uh, D.C. ended up tweeting about it and doing a, a media release. And there were there was a, a big effort to get the word out within the the various communities to participate in this annotation uh, platform. And what, what that platform allowed was uh, to train the machine learning system. The machine learning system that Microsoft's developing is it's like a child. It's still not quite sure um, that a, a baseball and a basketball are both balls. It's, it, it, so what you need to do with machine learning is, is say, well, something that looks like a baseball and a basketball are both balls. And so that kind of training of the, of the system is what we were doing with this, with this crowdsourcing platform. The public in, in, in a uh, collaborative way was helping to train that deep neural network technology to understand, um, all of that data. And then now having gone through that effort, um, we've, We've developed uh, this this uh, initial uh, phase one of the of the platform that that is much more accurate at, at making uh, uh, at documenting those various objects, and has positioned the partnership to move into the next stage of development, which is to and, the, and now there's an entirely new team at Microsoft that's that's joined this effort to to develop this into a product. So it went from what was a research endeavor, which was uh, where we were last year, to more of a product group at Microsoft. And that crowdsourcing plant platform was uh, was a was an important played a, a very important role in developing proof of concept. Now a lot more work is underway to refine the platform to make it even more uh, rigorous in its object classification accuracy, so that it can be ready to deploy in cities small and large in the U.S. and elsewhere. As we conclude the program, I'd like to let our listeners know that they can access the Video Analytics Towards Vision Zero website from the ITE website under the Vision Zero toolbox. You've been listening to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. Our guests have been Franz Lowenhurst, the Principal Transportation Planner for the City of Bellevue, Washington, and Professor Andrew Tarko, Director of the Purdue University Center for Road Safety. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Thank you.